Welcome back everyone to another episode of Hailing Frequencies Open. My name is Carrie. I will be your host tonight and I am joined once again by David and Mel. Hi. Hey guys. All right. So we're talking about season one episode, When the Bow Break. And this is a Wesley heavy episode and also involves more children of the Enterprise. And this is actually my favorite episode of the season. Yay. So opening scene, we three running wildly through the corridor doors and not looking where he's going and he slams into Commander Riker. And Harry is a future down. track star. He's an Olympian. He is. He almost bowled him over. <laughs> oh, Riker ever being the gentle kind of man that he is, picks him up. He's like, hey, what's your hurry? Well, it turns out Harry's running from his dad because Harry doesn't want to go to school and learn calculus. So his father is like, I don't give a crap. You gotta go to school and you gotta learn calculus. I'm with Harry here. I don't want to learn calculus. I hate math. Math does not like me. Math doesn't like me either. And Harry's dad like totally lied to him because he says everyone needs a basic understanding of calculus. And you know what, Mr. Father of Harry? No, 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 they don't. Because I don't think that the, and I don't think we've been introduced to him in this series yet, but we will later. There's a barber on board who's blue. I guarantee he doesn't have a basic knowledge of calculus. Sir, Servers in 10 forward. No, I mean, I know it's the okay. future and it's like science heavy, but there are people in the future that don't want to learn science stuff. Right. And they don't need it because they can get other types of jobs. Yeah. So Harry's dad is just lying to him, probably because Harry's dad wants him to be a Starfleet officer or oh, like everybody. Yeah. Whatever. But like Harry doesn't need it because you know why? Harry's going to be a track star. That's right. They still have athletes in the future. They may not. Not have baseball. There are other types of sports. So, Mr. Raka goes to the bridge, limping up to where the comms position is, and everybody is on the bridge, and they are in the Epsilon Mino system, because they are following a trail of, like, digital breadcrumbs, basically, that have led them to the system and have stopped. And the captain says, hey, Riker, this is going to interest you that we're in this system. And he's like, oh, okay, yeah, sure. What's this to Epsilon? He's like, oh my God, yeah, that totally a system that I know. Taja pipes up and she's like, what's so interesting about this system? It is the legendary place of a planet called Aldea. And Aldea- This is, this is super weird. Because Riker at no point in the future ever is interested in things like this. Mythological things. At all. It's, this is a Picard thing. So it's super funny that of all the things, they're just like, oh, let's talk about this. And it's like, okay, let's talk about that. Yeah. And it also, just is weird and it just doesn't make sense. <laughs> it's true. I agree with you, David. But also, Tasha never knows anything about her friend's interest. That's true. Whenever anybody shows interest in anything around Tasha, she's always confused, mm -hmm. which means, which makes me think that she never talks to these people. They're never bothered. Because a lot of the interests that they have are things that they would talk about. Yeah, when like in their have a friend, Yeah, when somebody gets like genuinely excited about something, at some point, they have to have expressed that excitement at oh, some agreed. point. Yeah. Even if it was just in passing, even people who get really, who, who have like 
really weird, exciting things, things that they love that they know people get tired of hearing about because they're like really abstract or really weird. They let slip sometimes, even if they try to hold it in and not like bombard their friends with it. They might mm-hmm. see something or learn something about it that like me, I'm highly interested in royal families. And yeah. though I don't go off on a rant, a lot of people, now there are people who are on just like, I'll talk about royal family with all day and they don't care. They don't want to hear it. Um, But I try, I understand that not everybody is into that. So I try not to bombard everybody with it. But if something exciting happens in a royal family, I'm going to be excited about it and want to say something. So it's just odd to me that Tasha never knows what her friend's extracurriculars are. Like, what is she doing? What does she do? Did she just another another reason to make me think that they're trying they were trying to make Tasha into a nympho like she worked and then she went and found people to sleep with like that's what Tasha did she totally did she totally did nothing wrong with that I mean if that's what she's interested nothing wrong with it I'm not no judgment I'm just saying it's odd that she doesn't know anything about anyone yeah it's odd that if that's the way they were going to go with her character, that she didn't like sleep with Riker. <laughs> I would have expected that at least like once, maybe twice. But I digress. Speaking of Riker. That like might have been. That might have been because of Diana. Oh, yeah, that's true. It might have been like, you know what? I'm not gonna hook up with Riker because Dion is my girl that's true they are friends and if there had not been a Diana she would have found Riker before she found Data yeah, true to be like ah this little episode has got me going as many people as Riker sleeps with throughout the, the show, I feel like there are a few people who were probably off limits that Deanna was like, no, you can't, that, no, no, not her. Yeah. And Tasha was probably one of them. Tasha and Crusher. Let's, let's be honest. I'm pretty sure Tasha is not Riker's type. Because she could beat him up. Yeah. The only (laughs) inkling he ever showed for a woman that could actually take it, like beat him into the ground, was when he made the joke when he was on the Klingon ship about taking both, about taking to bed two Klingon women. Yeah. But actually, I think that he was, I think he was just scared. I think he was actually scared. (laughs) Oh, for sure. I think that was pure bravado. I think that if he had to take both of them on, he would have peed his pants. Oh, sure. He died. He would die. He's just like, I don't know totally what to do. Totally killed him. I mean, he would have died. He would have died or he would have crushed his all then. for the cause. I'm saying he would have been so scared he would have peed his pants and then he would have tried his darndest. Still died. They would have killed him. And you know what? He would have gone out the way he lived. Like, solid. Death by Snoo Snoo? Yes, pretty much. What did he die of? Crushed pelvises. 
<laughs> so seemingly Riker is actually very excited that they are within this system. And he proceeds to tell Tasha and the rest of the bridge crew about Aldea. And then you get this earthly, lovely music. And then on the view screen, all of a sudden, this planet just pops up out of nowhere. Yay. Uh, and um, interesting that it just popped up out of nowhere because the myth of this planet is like they could cloak the whole planet in darkness and you know protect themselves from marauders and whatever and turns out yeah it's true they have some kind of cloaking device that's so advanced for their civilization so they had apparently like computer systems thousands and thousands of years ago you know while us humans were probably still cave people so the planet uncloaks and this lovely young woman named Rashad comes uh to talk to them and says, oh hello Enterprise we know who you are we've been monitoring you and we are so excited to meet you and we have a proposal for you they're like oh okay proposal cool we'll beam down they're like no no we'll beam over two seconds later her and what i assume is her dad beam onto the ship oh it's it's definitely her dad yeah definitely her dad i so also like to point out that they're very smart because they had rochelle be the first face they saw Right. That's that's not uh, her dad. Mm-hmm. Who is a jerk. Oh, major, major jerk. But we'll get into that. So it's just the two of them with a nice welcome basket for the crew of the Enterprise. And immediately when they beam on the um, security system, alarms go off. And they're like, oh, okay, it's okay, it's fine. Just like turn them off and crush her. It's like, they haven't been through decontamination yet. Since they didn't go through their way of transport, they couldn't go through the biofilters and stuff. But Picard's like, no, 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 it's fine. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Well, whatever it is, we'll fix it later. Okay. And she just looked pissed. She's like, God damn it, just trying to do my fucking job. And so... Captain Picard introduces himself and they introduce him back and they're like, oh, we want you to come down to the planet, just a, just a few of you. And um, they call Riker by his name and he's confused. He's like, how did you know my name? I didn't even tell you my name yet. And he's like, oh, don't worry. We know everything about you and your ship. And it's like, okay, that's not creepy at all, but sure, I'll, I'll take it. And they're only on the ship for five minutes, it seems. And then already their their eyes are getting like really sensitive to the light. And they're like, look, uh, we have to go back to the planet. Our eyes can't take this anymore. So they have on their their shirt there a little transport button thingy. And they go back to their planet. Yes, Mel? It's only Krusty. That's what I'm going to call him. Because I don't remember his 
name, nor do I care. It's only <laughs> Krusty whose eyes are hurting because Rochelle's just standing there beaming. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, my eyes, oh, my eyes, oh, my eyes. Just making making it seem like they have a force beam like straight into his eyes. Right. And he's like, our eyes are very sensitive. Rochelle hasn't, hasn't done anything. She's not even uh, squinting. No. It's not. just you, you crusty hag. <laughs> um, I don't know this actor's name and I don't crusty? have yeah crusty i don't have anything against him like because i don't know him but i don't like him i've seen him in something where he his character rubbed me the wrong way and i don't like him there are several people that i'm like that about where i saw them Mm -hmm. in something their character rubbed me the wrong way and i don't like them for example if i ever met vincent d'onofrio i'm i would be afraid he'd kill me Oh, yeah. He Just because he's that. been in some stuff, and I'm like, no, I don't trust. I don't trust him. I don't trust that. I don't trust that. So I don't have person personally. I'm sure he's a lovely, lovely man, but mm-hmm. I'm not going in a dark alley with him. No, 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 no. So, just saying. <laughs> just saying. On the other hand, if Patrick Stewart was holding a knife to my throat and was like, go in this dark alley, I would go in the dark alley. You know what? I would too. I'd be like, sure, whatever you want, Captain. Whatever. It makes no sense. In fact, any of the, any of the, it could be, it could be Stewart. It could be Frakes. It could be Spiner. It could be Burton. It could be Dorn. Any of them. I trust them, but I don't trust this crusty guy. It makes no sense, but that's just how it is. That is just how it is with this episode. The first part of this episode seems to like move pretty fast because they find the planet, then the aliens are on the ship, and then they leave the ship, and then they choose to take... Riker, Troy, and Crusher down to the planet have a little discussion about why they're there and what they need. So what they want is children. Now, apparently they cannot have any children of their own. And Rochella is the last child that was actually born on Aldea. And she's about 25, I guess. So no one can have children. And Riker's like, look, okay, we're sorry about that. I mean, we can try and help. I mean, you know, the doctor can run some tests, whatever. But they, as Melanie will call him, old crusty, is convinced that nothing can help them. But the Enterprise children they want to negotiate and technically buy some of the children off of the enterprise 
Because when I want children, I just go buy them. Doesn't everyone? I'll take that one and that one and that one. Their parents <laughs> still love them. Mm, yeah, uh, but I can still buy them. I know that's a joke, but it actually really happens. <laughs> oh, I know. I'm yeah, not it's sad. And I'm not so trying to make light oh, of I know. that. I'm making light of just how it's kind of casually portrayed in this episode is Mm -hmm. where this is based on is because it's a super casual conversation which makes it super weird yeah Yeah. because they're just around like it's a normal thing to say that's the scary part well we're just right and so that's why i said it as the joke that i said it as is because it's just like oh they're just sitting around just being like all right well let's buy some children Mm-hmm. Right. And why are you buying human children? Because they look like them. Yeah. I mean, fair, but you, you don't know what you don't know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah. your hope is, is that you're going to rebuild your society with, by my count, they took what, eight? Wait, I have a, a count. I actually have this written down because okay. it makes no sense. It makes because, no sense. Like, yeah, because Worf starts counting. Yep. They did then... seven kids. So. No, I'm sorry. No, no, no. I'm sorry. They took eight kids. Wait. Because there's two. There are two kids that they don't feature. Yep. Right. You see, the so there's the a little boy. So they take. So technically, they take Harry Wesley and the little boy. They don't feature. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then for the girls, they take the musician girl, mm-hmm. Alexandria, and there's like another one that doesn't have like speech. There's part. a little blonde girl that they don't feature. There might be another girl though. There is another girl. So I think they take seven or eight. So their plan kids. is to rebuild their society with eight children. Well, here's the thing about their plan that is super flawed. None of the kids are the same ages. No. <laughs> Most of them are under so, 10. In actuality, they take any girl's Wesley's age. And it seems the eldest girl is the little girl who is set to be a musician. But she's like eight years old to Wesley's 15. So not only is that gross, but also if we're gonna think of it in just maturity wise, she has two to four years before she can even have children. Right. And at that point, Wesley would still be the only male who she could have children with because the other kids, boys, are younger than her seemingly. So So she would still have to wait a few years to even procreate with them. See, in my so these people didn't think this through. (laughs) Why would you? Why would you? Um, why would you get a five-year-old again? Like that doesn't make any sense. No, it makes absolutely no sense. They should have got pairs. You get 10 kids of varying age, five boys, five girls, 
and that you give the, but you make them in pairs so they're the same age. So there's a fifth, a 14 or 15 year old with Wesley. There's a nine or 10 year old with the, with the musician girl and so on and so forth. So as they get older, they have somebody that they're paired with, but that's not what they did. Even if scatter because you don't, you need more, you, need, you actually need more females to male ratio because men can have babies all the time and women cannot. Even if you did like four boys to six girls or whatever, have them be in the same age range. It makes no sense. See, and I always thought that the idea was, is that Wesley being the oldest, once he came of age, I thought the whole point was he was going to get with Rochelle. And have babies. Right, but the way that I interpreted what I was seeing was that was the idea was that they were wondering if it was just the men that was infertile. Oh um, yeah. Okay. Not, because I think I that that was, I think that might've been whatever that convert part of that conversation. Cause they're just like, okay, once he gets to here, we can then test out this theory. Right. Yeah. yeah no. Well, because no. I mean, once I mean, I get it, but ew. Right, and, but she's probably what late twenties. She's at least ten years older than him. Yeah, yeah. she's late twenties, probably mid to late twenties. Yeah. So by the time he's of age, she's going to be early thirties. No, that math would work for sure. But none of them, none of the people on the planet can have kids. Right, but they don't really make it clear if they know that it's nobody can have children or if they it's the men are infertile or the women are the problem or you know they don't really cover that no. so my interpretation at least based off of the few clues that they gave was they thought the men were infertile so because of that that led to x y and z um i think that as the episode goes on we learn that these people are really stupid oh yeah they're, and they they're don't the, know any anything they don't even know anything about their planet they are the textbook example of they're very book smart mm-hmm. yes but they know i you know what never I, been outside for I, lack I, of a better term against that they're not very book smart because and I know we're skipping around, but like uh, when we get into the episode and Wesley starts asking questions about this thing that runs the planet, they can't answer. They have no answers because they don't know. And then at the end of the episode, when they see what's behind the wall, they're like, what is that? You, if you're book smart, you would know what that was you would have answers to those technological questions. Just don't know. They've never had to concern themselves with it. So they have forgotten that knowledge. And and clearly they don't care to learn the, the knowledge. The only reason why they ever reached out is because they were broken. But also when Harry makes his first sculpture and they ask him what it is and he says what it is and they're like oh we used to have those 
You mean to tell me your wildlife died and nobody said, um, maybe we should figure out why? No, they didn't because they didn't have any care to. It didn't matter to them until it was happening to them. And then it was too late because like Dr. Crusher said, their scientists have forgotten how to do science. That's true. That's true. So they don't know why they're infertile. They don't know who's infertile or how's infertile. They probably don't even know how to have sex anymore. <laughs> Insert tab A into slot B. <laughs> I'm sure the enterprise can download uh, I'm sure me. Riker could give personal lessons. Just send Riker around the planet required. to test the theory of how infertile they are. Just send Riker, Yar, and Data. Just data be like, could be like the anatomy. Just be like, Riker, you have six months to repopulate the species. Go. Oh, wow. <laughs> in 20 years, you're like, they go back to visit them to check up and they're like, why do all these kids look like records? They're all and they all have names that are like derivatives of his name. They're all like Wills and Bills and Williams and whatever the T stands for, and all like Riker and Wiker and like all just you just have all these little kids when he beams down. They're like, "Daddy, we love you." <laughs> Why did you leave us, us? <laughs> I could see it now, and and he beams down with Troy, and Troy's like, "Seriously, seriously, seriously, like, you have all, forty children." All of all of this is you. All of this. Um, this has nothing to do with the episode, but I don't know if you guys have seen. Mm. There is a milkman who's in his 90s and it has just been determined that he has fathered over 800 children in California. Apparently in the 50s and 60s, he was delivering. (laughs) Hi, Mrs. Johnson, I brought your milk, unzip. (laughs) Right. he, when, when he was asked for comment, he said he was proud because he and his wife of like 60 years or whatever, never were able to have children. And he thought it was because he was infertile. Oh. But it turns out he was myrtle, not oh, infertile. He, he so yeah. Children. That's a lot of kids. That's like, who? That man was really. That's every stop. Riker on the route. would be so like a man for Riker to look up to. He he'd be so proud. He'd be like, oh, milk! All I had to do was deliver milk. All I had to do was deliver milk. Instead, I'm on a starship with limited women. When all I had to do was be a milkman in California. So, getting back to this story. Yeah. <laughs> because so at this point they send everybody so they ask for kids Troy and Crusher say no yeah Troy is like uh, humans are very attached to their offspring and I, I love that she says unusually attached oh yeah well 
I mean, I don't know how beta Zeds are with their children. Or well, other look at Larksana. Larksana is all up in her daughter's business all the time. So oh, all the time. All the time. But, you know, you see Vulcans, you know, they love their children, but in a different way. They're not Yeah, like they're not attached, attached to, the to their children. Um, right. So they might see some kind of logic in giving them their child. So I also, love... Also, I have a feeling that Larksana is a special case probably probably yeah but i love that they ask for the kids are told no they immediately kick them out and immediately, immediately. steal children yes like there's not there's not oh let's negotiate it's get out we take the kids kidnapping yeah because at this point they're probably banking on well we're technologically more advanced at this point Which, they, they cannot get through their shield right but it's like okay you're technologically more advanced but if we shoot you mm-hmm. game over you're you know you're more technologically advanced except for weaponry you know things of that nature because you got rid of all of that yeah so they it just seems- take kids and then they arbitrarily divvy them up. Yeah, it's weird. it seems to me like they had been, and they said they had been monitoring their mon- monitoring their communications. So they knew. I believe they knew how the people on the enterprise would react. Well, they had to. Have. So they had this plan already. They're going to say no, we're kids anyway, and then we're going to shoot them in the space, which makes it super stupid because they're like all right well we're just going to kidnap children so why'd you ask just take the kids right like you did a dog and pony show for no reason and then you arbitrarily hand out these children to various people now i'm uber curious how that decision was made I don't know because it's not clear. They just mentioned that these children were handpicked because they are special. And then that just triggered in my head. Like, well, yeah, we know Wesley's special. He's like the star child. Uh, But we don't really see how special he is, you know? He's the what? He's the star child. He's the star child. I got you, Carrie. I'm, I'm I think here. You know, you know. No, no. Yeah, he's like the super special one. Well, but I think older one. So I think Wesley, he is the super special star child, and it's very clear that Wesley is the smartest kid. I mean, sometimes the person on the entire ship. So they right. him because he's clearly being groomed to be the next lead at least that's what they want so they put him with the leadership couple yeah the um the only person who has really shown their speciality and what they and who they were given to is the music girl when she's taken she's in her room practicing instruments and then when she's paired off with the old man they say he's the best musician on the planet yes so therefore she goes with him so therefore she who is clearly they 
it seemed like they were trying to seem make it seem like she was a prodigy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She was given to the best musician on the planet. Now here's my problem with that. He's old. And I know this is a personal thing. And you guys might not feel and nobody else who's listening to this may feel this way. But it has always been an issue for me that they put this little girl with this old man alone. Yes. I mean, that's always been an issue for me, always. Well, and it doesn't make it any better now that I'm seeing it as an adult. It actually makes it worse. Right. And I mean, I get it. He's trying to teach her music and stuff like that, but it, it's a weird choice. Like, it's just a weird choice. Um, because what if he dies? Right. Like, where's she going now? And and the thing that doesn't make or makes even less sense, so they break everybody up. And then Wesley is just like, well, can I, like, see your computer systems or something like that? And they show him the custodian, which looks like a computer from the 1970s. Um just a giant just right it's just a giant wall of monitors and just weird shit and they as mel pointed out earlier the aldeans are like but we don't understand then why are you using it if you don't understand it turn it off or don't use it at all i don't think they know how well no but that's the part of the problem as we discover as this goes on because they don't know what's happening so because they don't know what's happening they just keep doing the same thing and that just doesn't work yeah you know their um progenitors are the ones that built this custodian and the power source which is behind this wall but they don't know what's behind the wall because wesley asks he's asking all these kind of very standard questions right the duana is like what's with all the questions like I don't know about this or that she's more impressed with the fact that he's asking the questions than Mm -hmm. worried about the fact that she doesn't know the answers to the questions right so she lets she's weird she's weird altogether but he lets see like if I walked into an apple store and I was like how does this work and they were like we don't know it just works yeah, that's a good that's a good a way of putting it. Because she's lived her here on this planet her entire life. He assumes that she knows how things work. Well, not only that she lived there her whole life, she's one of the people in charge. Her and her husband right. are like the in charge couple. Yeah. <laughs> and they have no idea. Also, um, I know that Wesley is the star child. But like you're giving this 15 year old boy like word clearance, like voice oh, yeah. clearance to the thing that runs your entire planet. I mean, we've seen this story before. Like, <laughs> this is just, so stupid. Just like, give him a boys, You haven't even made him like pass a test. <laughs> like make him learn something first. He's gonna and like the, he's gonna like to figure out how to like change the hologram to look like a giant space penis or something. <laughs> I mean, listen, I would have because they stole me. So I'm going to f right? shit up. Yeah, I'm just going to make it 
amazing. Well, and we'll get there, but you know, it's super funny that after they've stolen the children, they've given them away to people. They then decide to negotiate with Picard, even though they've already taken what they wanted. Why? Why? Yeah. Why? Like, you you took what you wanted. Why are you talking to Picard now? Because they're still trying to pay them off. But at this yeah. point, there's this equally shows how dumb they are because they're not understanding like if they'd done what they did originally or do it here in a second you know they talked to picard they let crusher come back and talk to wesley he hints about the computer she gives him a tricorder picard, picard won't doesn't win the negotiation as he we all knew he wasn't going to. They then zap him or zap the ship with an energy beam mm -hmm. that sends yep. the ship three days away. And they explained they could send the Enterprise an impossibly far distance. If they wanted this story to end even way differently, they do that first. All right, we took your right. kids. Zap. Right. You're in the Delta Quadrant or you're in the Alpha Quadrant now or Delta Quadrant now. You're really far away and it's going to take you forever to get back here's the other thing i don't understand which might just be me and i probably shouldn't even question it because it's star trek um they're three days away and i know that the enterprise goes out to very far distances where other um starfleet vessels aren't but they're three days away. Did they even try to contact Starfleet and say, yo, seven or eight of our kids got stolen. We've been pushed three days away at warp nine, which unless, means they're like three weeks away. Un unless they specifically say we've reached out to Starfleet, they don't say shit to Starfleet. I know, but I don't understand. Because your kids were stolen and you just got knocked three weeks away. Let's be completely honest. If something happened to the warp core, because they, it has been it has been established time and time again that they have to take a break when they get to warp nine and they run it for us for a certain amount of time. They can't run warp nine for three solid days. Oh. They can't. Nope. So at some point they have to take a break. So it's not really three days at warp nine because they would blow the engine. Mm -hmm. It would take them longer. I'm thinking it's about a week to get back. Probably. So they don't contact Starfleet and say, hey, is there another ship in, an, in the area or another ship that can meet us there or something because these fools stole our kids? What the hell is wrong with Picard? Because as far as I know, Starfleet never finds out that they stole their kids until they do and like an officer log review and they're like, wait a minute, you let some people steal your children? That's what I'm saying. They Starfleet, as far as I'm concerned, Starfleet doesn't know anything that happens on the Enterprise. Oh, they don't. Not the Enterprise. They don't. It's it's well established. They're just they running around here. First, it was Kirk running around here making little half human, half green babies, fighting fighting uh gorn on rocky planets be like 
and now and now it's Picard and crew just running around, getting their kids stolen, being kidnapped by Q, bringing the bringing the the the, the Borg back, hiring an alien to run your pub on the ship. What is really happening? What is well, happening? Not, listen, so Titan Forward isn't. It's a civilian location on no, the ship. No, I. No, I, that was just a joke. Oh. Please, Guinan, when Guinan comes in, she's the best thing on the show. <laughs> when Guinan finally comes in, Jesus Christ, is it re a relief. <laughs> oh, for sure. Well, so they head back. Crusher has gotten the scan results before they got shot away. Discovers it's radiation poisoning. From their shield. Well, um, I don't think she figured out that yet. Uh, but yeah, but that's what it's from. Right. And she goes, well, the radiation has harmed their reproductive capabilities. Well, no shit. Mm -hmm. Radiation tends to do that. That's true. Um, when they get back to the planet, the Aldeans make another mistake by not immediately shooting them with the energy weapon and sending them vast distances again. They instead allow them to, you know, hang out. Like, hey, come back down and we'll negotiate. This is like, I don't know, the third time or something like right. that. Right. And Picard's like, all right, we need to figure out how to get through the planet's shields. Fine. Here comes Data and Geordi to the right. rescue. <laughs> well, Wesley is aware that the Enterprise is in orbit. And only then does he ask the children to passively resist. Mm hmm. I'm sorry, what? The kids are not talking. Nope. And not eating. Nope. And they're all in a little circle grouped together in one room. Right. But this doesn't start until the ship gets back. I know. I would so have started for the, the entire time before. that the ship's been gone. They're just like, la, 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 la. We're just, I would, <laughs> we're just and it's just like, wait. And then when Look. it comes back, it's like, oh, well, we miss our parents. What were you missing the last four or five days? Yeah. So these people who yeah, have not see. had children for like 25 plus years, none of them know how to deal with children. So no. the second they start missing their real parents, like um, the little girl, Alexandra, she's like, I want my mommy. She's like, Ooh, I don't know what to do. Here's the thing, kid. David to answer your question with kids i'm not a kid expert i don't have kids but i've been around kids a lot since my brother was born because after my brother was born i had a cousin and then i started hanging out with friends who had younger siblings and then i was working with kids and then all my friends started having kids and then i was working with kids again so i've been around a lot of kids i've changed a lot of diapers I've fed a lot of babies. I've seen kids in action. And I've been a kid. Here's the thing. When you get away from your parents for a couple of days and you're experiencing something new, it's fun. You get, you're getting to do things that you never got to do again. Oh, they literally told those kids, you can have whatever you want. We'll provide it for you. Great. I don't have to go to bed at my bedtime and I get to have cookies for dinner. 
that's awesome. I'm going to do that. I'm going to ask for all this crazy stuff. Plus these people are going, they're not only are they indulging me, but they're not going to make me like Harry. They're not going to make me learn calculus. I get to do this thing that I've always actually wanted to do. So it takes a few days for them to, to get adjusted and be like, wait a minute, this is all fun. This is great. I love this, but these aren't my parents. The, my friends are not here. My bedroom is gone. My toys, my things that I love, they're not here. This is different. This is not life. Yeah, for a couple of days, it was great to experience this, but I want to go back to my life. It's like adults being on vacation. Yeah, this is great to experience, but I want to sleep in my own bed. I want to eat the food that I like to eat. I'm tired of eating this, whatever food this is. I want to be able to, to talk to my friends and not be like, I'm, I don't have Wi-Fi or we're on totally different time zones. So I can't talk to them. Like I usually, so that's why it took kids to be like, I miss my parents. Now, Alexandria has probably been saying that from the beginning. Yeah, because she's like four. She's probably been saying that from the beginning, especially because she's so young. She probably had some kind of sleep routine that she did with her mom every night. And she's not doing that with Rochella. And you're right, David. None of these people know how to deal with kids. No, they don't. And it's... No, it's a mess. It's a mess. And it's made more so... So the Enterprise gets back. They're... Um, they found holes in the shielding. Not sure why they didn't see them the first time, but you know, so it was happening. Picard and Crusher get beamed down. Worf at the same time has Riker and Data beamed down somewhere else. They locate the custodian, you know, Radu's a dick and he's demanding that make the children do what they want, you know. And Picard's like, what makes you think I, the one who does not like children, can make children do what you want? Well, Picard, like, goes to the children and then takes them back to him and reveals that Riker and Data are on the planet. Crusher is trying to convince him that the infertility is caused by the planet shield and cloaking device affecting the ozone layer. So denial, this denial. makes less sense. He's in denial. No, I know. But mm-hmm. adding the ozone layer into it makes less sense. The comparison that she does or? Right. Where, well, no, because she's just like, well, it's affecting the ozone layer, which is, infect- which is what's affecting your infertility. The ozone layer has nothing to do with their infertility. It's the radiation. Well, the ozone or their ozone layer has apparently completely deteriorated where there isn't one left. Right. So now their planet was being bombarded by the radiation. Right. Which means they can't go outside. Right. Ever. Ever. At least not yeah. for a while because the sun's a deadly laser. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it is what it is. She says, like, if the ozone layer recovers um so will their fertility i don't think it works that way well 
in this century, it doesn't work that way. Fair enough. Um, I don't know what kind of voodoo magic they've got in the sick bay on the <laughs> Enterprise, but by the just wave a light over it. Like, everybody's great. You know, give it another week. They'll be having babies. <laughs> right. Like, she must be an amazing doctor. A week later, the Aldeans are like, we're all pregnant. All yeah. hail Dr. Crusher. Um, <laughs> and Riker. And, and Riker. And Riker, his props, please. Riker. Because he really did all the work. He did all the heavy lifting. <laughs> no problem. Riker with his super sperm. Uh, I actually, when she came in and said that they, that, uh, um, when she came in and said that you know everything was going right with the treatment i thought to myself how long is it going to take before they can start having kids yeah here's the here's another thing that brings me back to why are we not telling starfleet this we know from watching this show that there are kids who lose their parents there are orphans all over the Federation. You're telling me that they couldn't come to some type of agreement where not only do they heal, heal the, um, the people of Aldea, because let's face it, Rochelle is the youngest person we see. All of the other women we see are probably either not able to bear children or getting close to the age of not being able to bear children, which means Rochella would have to have all of the kids, which makes no sense. She's so, already started. Have, <laughs> so like call in reinforcements. I'm not saying you sell the kids, you sell the orphans. What I am saying is, hey, there's a bunch of orphans that Starfleet has to find somebody to take care of and house. And so why not ask the Aldeans if this is something that they're willing to do? They were clearly willing to steal children. Why not ask them, hey, we have all of these children who don't have families. Would you be willing to take them in and teach them your culture and raise them and they can be the progenitors of your future? But of course you have to contact Starfleet and tell them that your children were stolen. <laughs> Bring the ship with the orphans. This is getting weird because <laughs> at first we're just like, all right, you know, no stealing. And now we're just like, no, but we could give them other children. It's like, wait, what are we doing? No, I'm not, I'm, I mean, I'm not trying to, I'm not saying it in a bad way. I'm just saying no, that these kids, there are so no. many kids. We, we encounter at least three separate kids in this show that lose their parents. Their parents. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we do. And you have to think about that all over the Federation, there have to be thousands of kids who are just orphaned. 
And I'm not just talking about kids who were on ships. I'm just talking about in everyday life because there are millions of kids in, in the world that are orphaned. Just everyday life things happen and right. they don't have any place to go. So why not help these people by allowing them to foster orphans and everybody wins? Well, except Krusty Man, because he's a terrible, terrible person, and he should never be allowed around children again. Well, that's an argument for another day, because that's not how they decide to solve this problem. No, no. Um, no. Well, because first of all, they would have to contact the Federation and let them know that their children were stolen. I, lo- I would love to have heard that phone call. Mm-hmm. Be like, oh, hey, Starfleet. Sasha Hale, Starbase 47. <laughs> what are you doing? First I'm telling all, them that our children have been stolen. You can't do all, that. They'll think well, we we're found incompetent. Aldea. Second of all, <laughs> the Aldeans have stolen our children. Mm-hmm. And then they use their superior technology to drop kick us three weeks away. It's going to take us three days by warp nine, but we know that's not going to happen. So we're kind of at a loss. They can beam onto our ship while our shields are still up, but we can't beam down to them. They can just make their entire planet disappear. So we are SOL. We need help. Right. I mean, at that point, I would contact an alien race, you know, like the Romulans be like, okay, uh, can you figure out their cloaking device? Well, I think we would have to know, have a better idea of where Aldea is in conjunction to what is the next nearest star system? Yeah. Friendly or otherwise. Like, are the Klingons closer? Great, call them. You can't oh call them the Klingons because the Klingons would just start shooting into space. <laughs> Because listen, I love war. I love him planet. to death. But the man is always ready to shoot something. Mm-hmm. And Klingon. he wasn't even raised with the Klingons. At this point, I don't even know if Worf has met an actual other Klingon. But the Klingons his, show up and are just his, like, they stole your children. Self, they have he's, no honor. Oh, he's tried to shoot almost every single person in, in an episode. For so sure. just imagine if they call in Klingons for reinforcement. They would just sh- be shooting in the space. <laughs> we'll hit something eventually. See, they would just, exactly. as I said, they, Klingons would just show up, talk to the Aldeans and just say, you stole children, you lack honor. We're just going to kill all of you. This is Pretty what much. I'm saying. Pretty much. And they would end up killing the kids. <laughs> just and they'd be like, oops, our bad. The entire planet. They're just like, <laughs> Like so, what had happened was is we got a little excited in our Klingonness, and you know, Klingon roar, battle, death. Ah! I mean, look what we did. We completely eradicated a population of this planet, and we didn't lose a single person. One of our ships got thrown like three weeks away. It was super weird, but the rest of us all hung out and just blasted the planet till it stopped shooting. (laughs) They're so extra. They're so extra. Like, like the Battle of Kittimer all over again. <laughs> but better because we win. That's right. 
there are fewer um, Romulans here, and it's and it's more glory that we know of. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie; that would have made this episode super weird if Romulans just randomly appeared on Aldea. I'd be like, "So I have several questions about this. Where the hell did they come from, and why didn't they fix this problem?" Um, <laughs> Like we just observe. That's all we do. That is not. Um. Mm. <laughs> so there's a lot of conversating. Uh, Radu doesn't believe them. Tries to get the officers beamed away. The custodian doesn't respond because Riker and Data turned it off because they went through mysterious door number one. One loves mysterious door number one which led to a dark room with a tube in it. <laughs> a giant glowy tube. Oh, damn. Because that's not fair. <laughs> that would have been super funny, though. <laughs> a thing that they don't know how to fix. So then they lead the Aldeans to the mysterious door. And they're like, ooh, what is it? Data says, this is the power source. And Radu just randomly is like, you know what? After all this time of me arguing with you, you know, we're going to have to relearn how to look after ourselves and use the power source. Really? It took the mysterious door to get you to believe that? Yeah. I mean, I guess that was the final straw. Picard offers their help and they're like, done the crew then successfully reseeds aldea's ozone layer i want to know more about that yes like how the hell did you do that (laughs) it's these like little tidbits that they throw into each episode like oh we reseeded an ozone layer great um how do we do that right like realistically is it possible they could have made up anything yeah but no they just tell you it happened and you're just like what they're like Uh, okay they the cloak can never be or shield can never be used again to preserve the ozone layer because apparently they can only reseed it once bullshit (laughs) i mean if you've done it once you could do it again you can do it again come on i think you're like look you caused us enough shit. We're only coming back and doing this one time. Dr. Crusher reports that the population is responding well to treatment and they will become fertile in time. Riker immediately asks for six months leave. <laughs> he doesn't, but you know, he would. He doesn't, but he should. Season one, Riker, is to- this is totally what he would do. He'd be like, well, when do they become fertile? <laughs> it's about six months hmm, okay yeah, i've got all this time i've got uh, some picard says that the planet's legend is dead but the people will live then nice. <laughs> wesley escorts the little girl to the bridge because she wants to thank and hug picard this is my favorite part <laughs> everyone laughs at him because of how uncomfortable he is well, yeah. It's, it's what makes it funnier is he's obviously dealt with the children before in this episode and children before this. He, in his interaction with her, treats her like he's never seen a child before in his entire existence. It is super awkward. 
and he it's like hugging a pole because he's just not responsive he goes i don't remember what to do with my arms (laughs) everyone's laughing because she had a plush triple which is now attached to his back everyone's laughing except data because data i love him so much i really really love him um doesn't get it because he doesn't understand why it's funny (laughs) oh for sure but yeah bless him though he's like okay if it's funny sure that wraps this up word carrie tell the people why you love this episode and give it a rating and your final thoughts do it do it do it it no, oh, I don't want to do it. Riker's doing enough doing it. <laughs> yes, this is my favorite episode. I love this episode because of the children and the interaction that Picard has to do with the children. At this point in the series, it's made clear that he's uncomfortable around children. He doesn't know how to deal with them. So he gives that responsibility to Riker. And Riker seems to do a good enough job. And he keeps the kids away from the captain. Except for Wesley. He just, you know, he's Wesley. And the interactions that Picard has with the children when he has to have them, I think are super hilarious. And he plays it off well. Like, okay, yeah, you would believe this man has never seen a child in his life. And he's like, I don't know what to do with small humans. Get them away. Where's Riker? Um, <clears throat> and this episode also really turned the Wesley character around. And he was actually very helpful. He was the leader. He didn't lose his shit. And he didn't cause too much shit to happen. And, uh, you know, like any like Starfleet officer, I guess, would. uh, He's the oldest, so he's responsible for all these kids. And that was a nice thing to see. And how he managed to keep them all together. And like, look, we'll get home soon. Don't worry. Just you know, follow my lead, everything's going to be okay. And, and, you know, it eventually was, and the captain came back for all the kids, and bing, bang, boom, they went went home, and it's, um, as far as season one goes, this is, like, the only episode that is my favorite. Um, I would give this episode like an eight overall because it deals with a mythical legend and has a little bit of humor and you see the captain you know being uncomfortable around children which is totally human and you do want to see that side of these characters um off duty and whatnot and in certain situations so that is my reading Eight for me. All right, Mel, go. Where are we going? <laughs> Alvea. Okay, sweet. 
um, to go catalog all of Riker's progeny. Yes. <laughs> awesome. Um, so this episode was stunted to me. The best parts uh, were the kids um, and like half of them didn't even talk. Like two of them we didn't even get storylines for, which was super weird. Um, the other parts of it felt really forced. And a lot of the times it seems like the cast didn't really have anything to do. And there was at one point, there was a camera shot that started and Tasha was in the shot. She doesn't say anything. She's just standing there. And I genuinely thought, oh, I forgot Tasha was in this episode, which is sad. Um, there was also, also this seed, this first season, they have use of fish, uh, the fish-eyed lens, which is very disconcerting. And I hate it so much. I wish they would stop, but I know they continue to use it, which is ridiculous. Um, Pat Stewart was good in this episode. And I, th I think that his short dealings with the kids first on Aldea and then at the end of the episode with Alexandra um, was good. You could see how uncomfortable he was, but I like to think that considering over the few, you know, the last few episodes, he's worked with Wesley that has given him a little more, even though Wesley's older than the rest of the kids, that's given him a little bit more reflection on how to deal with kids. So I think that if this had been one of the first few episodes, he probably would have just been yelling at the kids <laughs> instead of trying to actually comfort them. But I think because he has to deal with Wesley, he is learning to deal with kids. But I also like it because we know Picard doesn't like children. And I don't think that it's he doesn't like children. I think that he just doesn't have any experience with them. So he's leery of them. He doesn't do well with them because he's not used to it. Um, but this episode to me shows like how dedicated he actually is to his crew and not just his crew, everybody on the ship, including the children. Even though he didn't contact Starfleet like he should have, um, he does go out of his way to say, no, we're not leaving. We're going, we're going to get these kids back no matter what, because they're important. They're just as important as everybody else on the ship, everybody on the crew. Um, I did really like the Aldean artist couple, even though they look like they should have been brother and sister instead of husband and wife. And I also liked uh, Rochella and the fact that she was like, nah, I'm keeping this kid. I'm giving this kid to anybody else. It's my kid. It's my baby. I'm keeping this baby. Forget y'all. I will fight you. And they were like, okay, there's nothing we can do about that. You keep the baby. Um, but like I said earlier, most of the cast didn't have anything to do. It was really sad. I don't even think Worf like had any lines in this episode. Um, he had, so, you he know, had the that's, Riker and Data beamed aboard or beamed down to the planet. 
what wow wow that's a lot so much um yeah and again um crusher got on my nerves not wesley but beverly i will say this though i think this is the first episode where her hair is grown out and it's not in that really awful shag haircut that it's in at the beginning of the series and um the color is great like she's a flaming redhead in the in this episode it looks really good and it's curled yeah it looks like the the barber actually the beautician did some good work on her didn't just take choppy choppy scissors to her hair um but yeah so i'm giving it a six okay all right. I feel that this episode, the biggest issue I have with this episode is a lot of issues that I have with this first season, is that this episode tries to cover some really deep ground. But instead of giving enough air to breathe so that you really cover that deep ground, it glosses over it a little bit and then just wraps it up at the end with a neat bow. Because they really want you to empathize or sympathize with the Aldeans because they're infertile and all this other stuff. But the Aldeans come off as dicks. Because it's kind of their way or the highway. They're not really worried about anything. It becomes problematic one way or the other. And it just doesn't come together the way that it should. I think Picard is very good in this episode. I think Wesley is very good in this episode. But I feel like everyone else is kind of let down, as Mel pointed out, with a lack of things to do. Also, I really feel like they could have really tackled, from the kids' perspective, the t not that I, I need to see someone's trauma, but there's trauma there. Because they got ripped away from everything they knew to something brand new, but they don't cover any of that. And again, I don't need to see the deep and the dark trauma of it, but I do think that this story would have been helped if they'd shown some of it. Specifically from Wesley's perspective. Because... He's, he's older, he's an older teen, so he's better able to articulate and get work through it and explore that. I don't need to see Alexander go through the trauma. I don't need to see that. That's not, that's exploitive and not, doesn't really help anything. But watching Wesley do it would have, I think, really added something to the story and it just wasn't the story they wanted to tell. And I think that ultimately takes away from the story that they do tell. Otherwise, I think the story's fine. It's fine, especially for a season one story. It's just that there's nothing special. There's nothing special here to me. I think I'm right there with Mel. I think it's about a six. You know, again, there's nothing inherently wrong with it there's nothing inherently great about it it just 
to me, it feels like there was more meat on the bone to explore, and they just don't do it. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Ooh. Tip it, though. Uh, Will Wheaton's brother and sister were in this episode. They totally were. Mm hmm. Side note Tasha could have had way more to do because this was totally a security matter that she should totally. have been care of. <laughs> totally. The whole way. Yep. So the Absolutely. actor who played Radu is named uh, Jerry Harden. Mm -hmm. He comes back again as uh, Mark Twain in Time Arrow. That's right, he does. <laughs> He's in good a, in that. He also then comes back in a Voyager episode. I don't know anything about that. Oh. Time Arrow is my second favorite. I know it's two, a two-parter, but it's my second favorite episode of the series. It's a good one. Yeah. Well, we will see you next week when we explore the next episode in our adventure through season one. And until then, remember to keep your hailing frequencies open. Bye. Bye. Bye.